What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Four Fifth Podcast, episode fifty-eight. My name is Matt. With me, as always, is the Wild Bill. We've got the J Lo. We've got Big John Stud on this historic election day, fellas. How are we feeling? Great. That's perfect. I can tell everyone's happy after the uh, the Big Eagles win. We're all. Stoked, super stoked, satisfied about our oh, our birds. Super Bowl bound, baby. Uh, the Eagles win another ugly football game, guys. Um, you know the the that's the bad For side. Top. The good side is, is that it's against the it, we defeated the the Dallas Cowboys. So it's kind of like you know, as diehard birds fans, it's like anytime we beat the Cowboys, it's almost like winning a playoff game. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. at least we get you know. It, 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 it in recent past, unlike this game, because I feel like the rivalry juice was not there. I mean, this year, the team, both these teams are so far in the crapper right now with their own issues. And the, the you know, the NFC least being just a, a complete embarrassment to the to the league right now. It's like there was going into this game. There just wasn't that that buzz, that energy, you know, no matter how how how. uh how hard or you tried to, to to psych yourself up for it, it was like, these are two bad teams that are going to duke it out, play some ugly football, and, you know, the, the team that doesn't doesn't make the, the most mistakes is ultimately going to win. And you know what? It really, to me, came down to that defensive turnover uh, touchdown that kind of, you know, was the dagger in the whole thing. But, you know, Carson Wentz, he's still – He's still in his regression patterns, right? Making foolish decisions with the ball, causing causing turnovers for the offense, ultimately hurting his team. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't really know what the deal is there. Um, it just it just he just he just seems to be getting worse and worse every week. Um, you know, it's it's you know we're we're going we're going into a bye week. The Eagles are going into the bye week. I keep saying we, but the Eagles are going into the bye week. And the reason why I keep saying we is because I feel like we as the fan base, I think we need this bye week just as much as the Eagles do in terms of figuring figuring out a scheme to put four quarters of, of solid, fo- consistent football together, if they can figure that out, get healthier on both sides of the ball. And for the fan base, I think we just need a mental bye week. The, 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 this year has been just so brutal watching this team, guys. I just, you know, we we, you know, we're edging out wins, which is great. It looks like we're we have full control of this division, but it's like, other than the Giants making some noise against like no, some notable teams. I mean, they you know they they put an, uh, a little bit of a scare into the 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 Bucks last night, and and for us for that matter, or for that matter. Um, Last week, it's just like I just, I just need a break. I feel like we all need a break from watching this team. And I think, you know, coming off of the bye week, maybe we can all just kind of be refreshed, re-energized, and just kind of, you know, hope for the best. Um, you know, we're going to face the Giants again, and then after the Giants, it's Cleveland. 
which I think are two two wins. I think that they're two games that I think this team can and should win. Um, you know, most notably the Giants win or the Giants game because that that's a, that'll be another division win. And then after that, we're just we're entering a gauntlet to 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 the deepest depths of football hell. Um, and I feel like it's going to be a dark road for the for those next four weeks. Um, well, I don't know, man. Those Packers got beat up pretty good. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, I mean yes. Do, you know, do I think we're you know we're as playing as well as those other four teams? No, but a lot happens between now and then. You know, sometimes got. I mean, last year in Green Bay, the perfect example. Now we had Alshon, but Fogum's playing just as well. You know, nobody. I mean, nobody had us touching the Packers last year, and we went in and Carson played one of the best games of his career. And we held on. Like so I do agree that the the four games after the Browns, Browns are a tough game. Cleveland always, we we never play well at Cleveland. We always have sloppy games. I think the last time we were there was the Mike Vick game to open the season. And that was we you know, we had to come back to win that game. But uh I definitely think that this team just, you know, it's still I, I don't know if it's figuring itself out, but um I mean, is anyone as ex- as exhausted as I am, like watching this this team? I mean, I I, I don't I don't know. I, I find myself just frustrated the whole game, and yet, yeah, we win, we pull mm-hmm. out a win, but it's like at the end of it all, it's just there's just still so many issues and so many things that just make you frustrated as a fan sitting back and watching, like. There it's and it's all things that you would think would be cleaned up by, you know, for a team, you know, eight weeks into the season and for a quarterback like Carson Wentz in his fifth year still making the decisions that he's making on the field. And it's just I don't I don't understand it. And the play calling is a whole other ball of wax. I mean. Hell, we could probably, you know, we could probably carve out episode 59 and just talk about the scheme, the lack of scheme and the play calling on this coaching staff and the decisions that they're making. It's just it continues week after week. And it's it's just exhausting. I just I don't know if any of you guys are with me on that, but I think a lot of the reaction to the scheme um you can kind of you kind of point out there. Are, yeah, there are some questionable play calls. I, I would agree with you, but when your quarterback is doing what he's doing, um, it doesn't set even your play caller up for much success. Um, in that aspect, you know, you're down in the red zone or the thirty or thirty yard line, and you're throwing interceptions. You're not coming away with points there. Um, of course, you know it's going to take a little bit on on, on your play caller to be like. All right, well, we got to make up for this. You got to make up for that. So, what do we do? Um, it's it's not taking anything away from what what Doug's doing. I, I think they're you know Doug's Doug's coaching a, a a three four and one team, and they are their their record says what they are. Um, so it's a it's a it's a definite um. You know, it, I I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it, it's it's an example of him more than anything else as well. But again, it's a reflection of him. Thank you. That's what I, that's what I was looking for. I appreciate it. Um, go ahead. The 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 problem though is, you can say that 
Wentz is struggling and that's impacting the play calling and that's fine. And that's true. But in this game, when, you know, our, our four foot running backs are tearing off four or five yard runs at a clip, Doug gets away from the run. It's like, all right, your quarterback's struggling. He's not making some of the right reads. He's, he's making questionable decisions with the ball. Your line is having problems, some problems picking up uh, pass blocking. Run the ball. Just run the ball. Dallas is the like the worst run defense in the league. Run the ball. You were successful with it. All you had to do was run it and keep running it. And so just they, take the ball completely out of Carson's hands and just run the ball. Well, I'm I'm not saying completely take it out of his hands, but just if you if you see a series starting to go sideways because he's his his accuracy starting to go away, don't call another pass play. Call a run play. You know, and it, there's like so many situational things that 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 they're screwing up like week in and week out. And these like the 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 Jalen Hurts plays are, are are wasted downs now because he's not throwing the ball. He's what he's completed two passes in in seven games. I thought, and he, I thought he completed a really nice pass on second down. I'm John. I'm not saying he's can't throw a football. I'm merely stating he's thrown two passes. Yeah, he's the plays the plays aren't the plays that are being called while he's on the field so just don't amount. Well, I'm not I'm not anointing him the, the MVP of the league, but in the in the plays that he is on the field, the the two times he threw the ball, if I'm not mistaken, were completions. One was uh first down earlier in the in the in the year game two or three for a first down for about uh twelve 12, 13 yards, and the the one they threw last night, I think it was like seven yards right by the right by the um, thing. But again, go ahead. The, so the the problem is he's thrown the ball twice. It's not like he's thrown the ball 20 times when he's come in. He's thrown the ball twice in in, in seven games. We're, or are we at eight? Three, yeah, eight, three, four, and one. So eight games, two passes. At mm-hmm. this point, defenses know pretty much, hey – we can just put we can just send somebody at him. And they don't have to respect the second part of the option play because Doug has taken it off the board. Because all Hertz is doing when he comes in is he's is he's carrying the ball, he's sweeping the ball to the left or the right and and pretending like he's you know, he might throw it, but he doesn't and he holds it. And it was like that goal line series where he got smoked with the ball for a loss. It's not like Hertz can't run that play. It's not like he didn't score a shitload of touchdowns in that in that formation in Alabama and Oklahoma. The problem is Doug's play calling and scheming takes wide receivers off the off the field because you have two quarterbacks on the field, which is fucking dumb. And be and and you so you take a guy off so the defense doesn't even have to account for the quarterback, they're just going to key on him. So it's it's a fundamental flaw in the play calling. And if you're going to if you're going to say, "Oh, you know, we're we we've got plans for him and we're going to do stuff with him," then start using him as a quarterback because right now you're using him as a gadget player with a second round pick, and I'd really rather have Chin on this team right now who is probably going to be defensive rookie of the year. We could have grabbed him. Listen, I think <laughs> Explain. He's the best young linebacker. I I don't. I'm not going to sit here and be like, 
man, I wish I had this guy. I wish I had this guy eight games in the season. Okay. Listen, Jalen Hurts is, in my opinion, what Taysom Hill is to the Saints. Taysom Hill early on in his career, you didn't see him on the field as much. Now you see him on the field. He probably gets 10, 12 snaps a game, which I think for a quote-unquote what you would consider, I think what you're saying, Jesse, is a gadget player, that's a lot of snaps. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that Doug is, is not calling the right place for him. I think they're putting a lot of stuff on tape so they can sort of see what the defense has given them, and then they could probably create plays around that. Not saying I don't know if he's doing that or not, but like – the fact of having another gadget type guy on your on your offense, I think, is a good thing. There's nothing bad about that. Um, well, what, it's not like he's it's not like he's in the game and he's fumbling the ball and it's a turnover. It's not like he's in the game and he's throwing interceptions. He's getting most of the time. He was getting positive yardage. Yes, he 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 did lose lose a yard. He lost a fumble once. And okay, that stuff's going to happen. But I don't think you can kind of like throw the baby out with the bathwater here just based upon where he's picked and, 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 and the future. I think that the future is bright for someone like him. I think that it opens up a playbook. I think it's another thing that defense is schemed for. But, you know, to your point, if, you know, having two quarterbacks on the, on the, on the field is a little bit of a question. But I think if you can roll him out or maybe get him in a position where maybe he's catching the ball or – you know, he can do some sort of gadget play where he's letting it rip and throwing a ball. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's too early for me to sit here and, and kill Doug on the Jalen Hurts plays because they're not really – they're not affecting the game in a, in a negative light, in my well, opinion. So at, at week eight, uh-huh. are you happy with the return we're getting from a second-round pick when we could have had a player like Chin who's, again, might win Defensive Rookie of the Year? Do you what do you think would benefit this team more? Two complete passes and what forty yards rushing, five first downs, or a legitimate starter in the middle of our defense that plays every single down? I mean, yeah, but I, if Carson Wentz isn't our isn't our guy, then that but uh, that's a whole nother question. You know what I mean? That's a whole nother question. And the the, the well, problem, well, would your would your issue be with if if we were five two? Five two five and three at that point, mm-hmm. and we're using Jalen Hurts the same way we're using him. Are you still down on Hurts? I wouldn't be as annoyed because we would have a winning record, but I think a, a starter at that pick would probably do more to help our defense keep us in games when our offense is struggling. Versus, and, and we bring up Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is an undrafted player, so they have all the time in the world. To, to work to, to deal with that and to work him into the system. We have a we have a, a high second round pick on on Hertz. And I'm I'm glad Matt brought up the 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 Carson thing. So Hertz is on a four year deal because he was a second round pick. So if we decide that Carson's not the guy and we either trade or cut him at the end of this year, our salary cap, depending on if he's traded or cut, is either blown to pieces or absolutely absolutely like set on fire with nothing remaining. So that first year with Jalen Hurts under center, it's like, all right, dude, good luck. Cause um, we ain't got shit. So then that's year two of his deal year three. And the, the great thing with these 
with these cheap quarterbacks is it allows you to stack your roster. That's the reason that we were able to do what we did in 2017. We still had a cheap quarterback on the roster. Well, two of them, really, because Nick's contract wasn't that bad either. Mm-hmm. So then we would go into year three, and year three you have to figure out, is, J- is Jalen Hurts our guy, and try to stack a team around him because you know he's not going to play out year f- year four on a on a rookie deal as at a quarterback as a starter. Listen, I'm not sitting here at eight games into the season ready to. I know you're surprised to hear this. Give up on Carson Wentz? Okay, he has, in my opinion, the keys to the car. Okay, if he plays 16 games and gets us into the playoffs, you know, he's not going to go anywhere. But he's giving it him, I think the Eagles are giving him enough rope to hang himself. And that's exactly what I think will happen. I think that's why they drafted Hurts. I think they have insurance in him. What they do with him at the end of the season is going to be Howie Rosen's problem. And I have all the um, uh, confidence in him to flip him for something that we would need, or we would, I'm sure we would get value for him. Um, somebody out there, there's many teams that are going to be out there. They're going to want quarterbacks. It depends on who's going to be aggressive enough to pick up the phone and call and ask, ask for him. But at this point, he's got no value the way he's playing. So it's in our best interest for him to play well. And, that, and that's what I, I hope to constantly keep seeing from him because he's not consistent. He's not playing good football. Um, so the, the, the only pl- he's down here. The only thing he can do is, is go up. So, you know, any, any lower that he gets is just going to be, you know, the nail in his coffin. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and, 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 you know, bench the guy, but I got news for you watching that game on Sunday, Sunday night. I was like, mm, are you going to, we going to pull the plug here and kind of like, you know, give him the, bless you. Thank you. Give him, give him the, um, you know, the, the, the medicine that we sort of talked about last podcast about maybe sitting down and watching for a little bit and maybe eat a little piece of humble pie, but it didn't happen. It doesn't seem like Doug wants to do that. It doesn't seem the organization wants to do that. But I got news for you. If he comes out the next game and he throws three or four picks, I don't see how Doug can't pull the plug on him. But we will see. He's not playing well. At least for the second half, right? I, I, I mean, at least. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're still in the hunt. I mean, I, I would wonder if Doug's decision would be different if they were one, if we're one, six, one, one, six and one. You know what I mean? Right. This is eerily similar, although they have not had similar careers. This this season is eerily similar to the last time we uh, tied the Bengals in 04 last year here when we lost the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game. Sure. We finished that year 9-6-1, and one, one division um, because of the tie break. Um, and it was McNabb's last year here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, you know, not that, you know, whatever, but I just feel like there's a lot of similarities. That's just like, you know, deja vu, like you said, John. I think, you know, Carson's the guy. They're, they, you know, I, I think they're, they're trying to let him be him. You know, maybe they tried to not let him run as much or be, you know, maybe they did kind of corral him more than we, you know, than we know. But it seems like now he's just, he kind of gets it. Like, 
sometimes though it's like you know when, he, when we see him run it's like great it's like you get four five six seven yards it's just you know i think it's still just like i said before thing with carson it's it's like watching Jameis winston you know he makes these throws that you're just like in awe like wow how do you make that and then the next drive on second and four he's throwing a pick in the in a double coverage for and for 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 no reason it's he has 55 career fumbles in 64 games. That's I mean, just fumbles. It, it, it's, and it's just crazy. And I think the, the, the reality is it's you know not like questioning his overall intelligence as a human being, but I, I, I'm starting to question his football intelligence to understand just like the flow of the game. Like when you think about it, if, if you really – and I haven't rewatched the game, but from what I kind of remember the game flow – these turnovers were all on drives that were progressing that, like I said, they were first or second down. I don't think any turnover was on third down. I can, I'm almost positive. And, like, good quarterbacks understand that, okay, I have more plays to get this one. Like, I'm not trying to say you can scramble a little bit, but when you're kind of, like, just waiting and waiting, just throw the ball away. Like, and this yeah. is year five. And some, it's, like, it's sometimes it, it is what it is. And I don't know. I, I think you're right, John, in the sense that they're saying you go go do you, Carson. You know, play how you want to play. Put your pedal to the metal. You know, you you say it all the time, impressors. Put the ball in better places, but you're not going to be less aggressive. That's fine. And if we end the year with 30 touchdowns and 22 interceptions, we're going to have a real big problem. A real big problem. And, and at this point, like, you know, I'm not going to, you know. The, the weapon thing, I'm like tired of hearing about the weapons thing. Like, okay, there there are guys that are hurt on this offensive line. Okay, fine, I understand that. But we've done we've done a pretty decent job with what we're doing, moving guys around. I'm not concerned about that. The weapons on this offense are not terrible. There, you watch the plays that he makes, and that throw to High Tower. That I'm not talking about the pick. I'm talking about the. Um, throw down the left sideline and everyone was like, well, well, Hightower um, slowed up. If he throws that ball, now, now when he throws that ball, Hightower is in front of Diggs, okay? If he throws that ball more to this and leads his receiver to the center of the end zone, the, the, he's already on the inside of the, of the de- defensive back. That's an easy touchdown. There's no safety. There was no safety there. That's an easy touchdown. Instead, he throws on his back foot because he's under pressure and he kind of throws a little like high arcing sort of duck thing and it gets caught up in the wind and it, and it slows down. But if you fire that thing in the middle of the field and make high tower, go get it. I think that's a better ball for a guy. You know what I mean? I think that's what he does do John. And, and, and what you're describing is that he doesn't throw receivers open. The good, yeah. the quarterbacks, the Rogers, the breezes, the Brady's, they throw to a spot. Some be like, it's just fun to watch when they show the replay the receiver in their route still and the ball's released it's yep, go get it and, and then i get it they're throwing the ball to Devonte adams a lot of time i get the quality of receiver the trust level there but you still see it more when these guys i don't know i just see it like you know if, if it gets picked but you throw where it's got to go then that's on them but you know help, you know help them be be better players and that's what i guess i i, I i'm hoping to see more out of carson it's you know you got the money you got the franchise contract like you wanted um, you know, like we talk about all the time, good players, great players make good players that are okay, better, better. Sure. And it's, he's not, not like playing okay, but 
to score 15 points against the worst defense in the league at home, you know, uh, I don't know. I think to to Matt's point where he was like asking, are we like, is everyone else like as, you know, fed up or, or I forget what the word Matt used. Exhausted. Exhausted. I think that's where I am with, with, with Carson and it, it's exhausting to constantly talk to you guys and other people and be like, what's wrong with this guy? Well, I feel like this is his problem. And it's like an over and over and over again thing. It's like, if you had a, uh, if you had a pet and it constantly like, you know, pissed on the rug, it's like, you know, we gotta, we gotta figure out why, like, why the dog's pissing on the rug. You know what I mean? Like. They got dog feels with this, watching all this film over and yeah, over. It's like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's a very, um, it's to Matt's. It's exactly right. It's exhausting. It's. It. I think that's why Doug was like, "Yeah, I need a bye week. I do need a bye week. I think this team needs a bye week." Yeah. Um, but you know, the whole city does. The whole city needs a bye week. And I and I think it's a. I think it's a culmination of a lot of things in the world now that you know, you know, we we kind of looked at football as as our out as our outlet with all the stuff going in the world and and having, you know, a a, a season like it's been going it's kind of fitting for the year we're in, but at, at the same token, like, you know, en- enough with the excuses with this guy, like he, he's getting paid, you know, a shit ton of money, you know, you know, he's, he's healthy, knock on wood. Um, he, he just needs to get his head out of his peripheral ass and, and, and get like laser focused, I guess. I, I, I don't know. And that's why I like a joke around about his social media stuff and, this, that, and the other thing, but you see other quarterbacks out there and, and what are they doing They're, You know, we talked about it a little before we got on here. They're frustrated. They're slamming their helmets down. What does this guy do? He does, he's got nothing. He doesn't give any of that emotion. I got to get better. I got to do this. I got to be better. I can't have this. And it's like, come on, dude, at some point, like, you know, I'd rather you sit up there and be like, I suck tonight. Yeah. And, no, show I, and be pissed off. No. I, and, and I mean, I get his point trying to be even keel and you want somebody like that or calm under pressure. I, you know, I, I get that point too, but I, I, I think now it's just, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing to see that, you know, the, the play's not there and it's just, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's like an Andy presser, you know, uh, yeah. you know, it's the same thing over and over. got to do better, prevent better. And it's just, you know, at this point we need a little bit more, a little more yeah. bang for the buck. And, and Matt, did you, I noticed you sent over the, the Cam Newton hat picture, did you see Carson's uh, press conference picture? No. Uh, Google his uh, his latest press conference picture. He kind of he looks like uh, Cam Newton <laughs> with no, the hat and everything. Does he? Yeah, he does. Saying, I was at that point. I was. I was. I was past. I was counting Z's. <laughs> I was so tired and just so like I was just exhausted, man. It's. It was very interesting. Listen to the the after the 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 post game and listen to Ray Didinger talk, man, he talk about a guy who like never really gets deflated. And he was, man, he was deflated. He was like, this is just bad, man. I was just going to bring that up. What Seth said. (laughs) Who's that? Who's that? Ray Diddy. Diddy never yet. Diddy always (laughs) calls it even keel. I feel like. And and Seth, that was the one that I think that was the last thing I heard before I, before I passed out was, uh, was Seth. And, I, I did a little nod with my eyes closed, and then boom, I was out. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, man. 
It's just super frustrating. I'm trying to find this photo. It's not coming up. But like the, that photo, people were making jokes like, uh, I feel like I'm going to go play Red Dead Redemption now. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, like yeah, he had a lime green suit. Because oh. Seth talked about it in his, in, in his analysis on After the Game, like where he thinks, to, you know, it's not a talent thing. It's not, you know, athleticism with Carson. And his opinion, and he was saying he thinks it's being prepared, you know, knowing what to do with the ball, where to go, when what you see. And part of Carson's issue is he's not processing it because he brought up that fourth down play when it was fourth and three at like the 45. And he had Greg Ward right in the middle, five yards deep yeah. in the first down. The Greg play Ward was, was doing jumping jacks. He and, was doing jumping jacks. And Carson's jacks. like double clutching. It's like, throw the ball. The play's supposed to go there. But I, and I know he had pressure, so it's easy to sit here and say that. But when the play's designed to go there, throw the ball where it's supposed to go. Don't just take the sack. Throw the, like, th- like, come on, dude. It's fourth and three. Like, and that's where it goes back to the sense of urgency. It's like, know where you're going with the ball. And you know, for some reason you can't, whatever. But it's like, bro, this is it's this isn't, you know, the 86 Bears on defense. <laughs> like, you're better than this. You got a wide open receiver, throw him the ball, please. But I mean, it's and it's not fair to pick on one play, but it's just you know, Seth said it, and I agree with Seth. It's just, you know, as a quarterback, you got to feel confident you know where to go with the ball. And you, and, and you watch Carson sometimes, and, again, you know, receivers aren't top-notch, but he's just kind of like, I don't know, did you, did you see him back there, and he just doesn't feel like he knows what to do with the ball. But I don't know, maybe that's coaching. I don't, I don't know. I guess it's tough to say it's all his fault. But I, Dude, I, I felt Seth was going in just as hard on, on that coaching staff. On. On the team, too. Other things. Like special teams he lit into. I think you're right, Jesse. I think that was, you know, not a shot at Doug, but I think he has to because Doug's the head coach. And when your offense doesn't play well and you're the play caller, you're you're part of the stew. So you you can be part of the problem. You know, that's just a reality. You're right. Well, and it's like, I, you know, I get it. Doug likes being the play caller. And that's that's cool and, and good on you, Doug. But, like, what do you like being? Do you do you like being a coach, or do you like being a play caller? Because you go, if Matt. you don't, oh good lord, the the <laughs> the plane is going towards the mountain, and and you're the one flying the plane, and if you don't if you don't make a decision, a different decision, the you know what's that going image? at that mountain? You know what that image I looks like? Jesse. You know I when am- you were a kid. And 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 you got into your dad's closet, <laughs> and you're trying your dad's shit on, but you got your you got your clothes on too. Yeah, that's what that photo of Carson Wentz looks like. Was, like and hey, look, I'm my dad. And I and I said this before on the podcast, and I think it still stands that like if you if you know it happened, it won't. But you know, I I think two of the three, Doug Howie and and Carson, two of the three need to go. I don't care which two, but if all three of them, let's say perfect world, all three of them, you know, something wild happens. All three of them are fired, fired, cut and fired. The first one that gets a new job is Carson Wentz. The other two, Doug might latch on somewhere as a coordinator or something, but his team hasn't really showed a whole lot of flash and flair and like, innovation since the Super Bowl and teams aren't going to fire their GM to get Howie Roseman. Name, name me the last Super Bowl winning coach 
that was fired. John, I'm not saying that how I'm not saying that Doug should be fired. I'm merely positing a Tom question. Coughlin, Tom Coughlin get fired by the Giants. He won two Super Bowls. If, did he did he get fired or did he? Did I don't he know. Man. I'm thinking he might be the one that comes to mind. But I don't John, know if they just decided not to resign him or not. I don't know how. My, my point is, I'm not saying I'm not saying Doug should be fired. I think Doug should bring in a good offensive coordinator and hand off some of those duties to an offensive coordinator. But my point is, if Doug was fired, there aren't going to be a lot of teams that are going to fire their head coach to hire Doug. That's uh, I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I, agree I, with that. I think Doug's a coordinator at best. He's. A, I think he's like a Jason Garrett in a lot of people's eyes. But Doug Peterson would one hundred percent get another another head coaching job if he got if he got the shit canned here. He absolutely would. Super Bowl, right Super, Super, Bowl Super Bowl winning coach, absolutely. You, the, you get some sort of you get a not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but you get some sort of you know uh, top of the list ranking there. You know, but if you look at if you look at at least you know, and it's a bad analogy, but look at. Look at college. Look at the better coaches in college. Most of them, the the Sabins, the Dabo Sweeney's, the Lincoln Rod, like most of those guys aren't offensive. They're coaches. They run the the team. They handle recruiting. They handle game day things. But they have a defensive coordinator and they have an offensive coordinator. And those people they delegate to them to handle those things. Like in an Alabama game, if the offense isn't running, running right, Saban is dealing, is working with the defensive coordinator and that they're dealing with that stuff. And if he ain't happy with the offense, he walks down the field and rips into, in, into sack and just tears him a new asshole. And he, as he tore in everybody else's asshole that, you know, the Lane Kiffins and, and everybody else that was calling the plays there. So I don't, I don't get why, the, the the offense year over year over year has has gone down, and I understand Doug likes calling plays, but at what point if you're ha- if you're if you're Jeffrey Laurie, at what point do you say, hey man, may- maybe we bring in an offensive coordinator? Because Jesse, it's, it's, you know who I call up, Jesse, the Steelers what? and the Ravens with their coaches, they just run the team and they have yeah. coach and coach, and if they don't like what they like, they go talk to the coaches like figure it the fuck out. I don't like this. But like if you look at the really powerful franchises, like those two teams, Andy's the exception, but um, you know, even like even Bruce Arians, he's not calling plays, he's just running the team. Yeah. And, and like the like I think you have to have that confidence and also that ability to just maybe step in on a big series to say, you know what, I got this series, whatever, in a in a crucial moment, maybe you're feeling it. But I do agree that maybe Doug needs to take a bigger hand because these assistant coaches, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, it was like, I mean, like a hand stepping away and just running the team overall, as opposed to just worrying about offense because they said it. I saw it in his college, but uh, like, what's his name? Gus Manzone or Manzan, the Auburn coach. Mm-hmm. He stepped away from play calling after eight years. And they said like the team's like functioning way better. Mm-hmm. And he's like picking apart things as a like and this and that. And maybe it's time for Doug to realize I'm the head coach. I can maybe just kind of float it here and there a little bit. Stop letting Jim be so I'm the man. Let me come in a little bit, Jim. I'm the coach. You know, I don't know. Like, you're right. Maybe kind of shock the system a little bit because it's getting a little stale. And and let's be real. If if you're Lori, 
You've given Carson Wentz how much money? $120 million? $59 million this year alone. You you can't be <laughs> happy if you're Jeffrey Lurie signing these checks, giving these guaranteed contracts out, and you're you're watching your investment in these players rapidly decrease. Carson gets like close to $4 million a game check this year, basically. Like, if, if I was Lurie, this shit wouldn't fly. Like, I, I don't think I Jeffrey Lurie has as much... I don't think Jeffrey Lurie has a problem with his team when he goes to sleep at night. I don't think he really cares about this stuff until shit hits the fan. He's I, not, I he's bit, not I mean, in there. He's not German, in there. Like, oh him. man, I you know Carson's playing really bad. I think I should stick my nose into this business here and you know get on Howie. He's not that kind of owner. He never has no, been. He. I mean, nervous. listen. He had. He had. Um, he had Andy Reid for 13 years here. Like it, it tells you what kind of what kind of coach, what kind of stability he wants. You guys bring up the Ravens and and Steelers. There, there's two guys, two guys that have been on their team for like 10, 15 years. Yeah, like Doug's but, been here for for what six years? Nah, he just got an extension. Fifth. This is his fifth. Fifth, my, okay. And he's already point. and he already has one Super Bowl. So you know, my my point is, I I don't think. I, now, I could be wrong, but I don't think Jeffrey Lurie would be really happy knowing that your franchise quarterback, the guy you gave 100 and whatever guaranteed million dollars to, is playing so poorly, you might have to try to trade him or cut him, and you lose all of that guaranteed money, and it goes away. And you can't spend that on the Philadelphia Eagles because it's with Carson, and it's gone. But, but you, look think- at it, you look at it as like, oh, man, we could get rid of him, and I think that's way emergency, push the red button. But mm-hmm. I, I could argue that you could trade Carson for a guy of value and recoup that money. If you traded for a, I'm going to throw a name out there and it's not even close, but a Levante David, someone who we, we, we need a linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. And you could offset the, the, the cost of a high contract with another high contract. I think that that makes sense. I don't think they're going to just trade Carson for like a third round pick and a conditional seventh. If you can get more for him, I think you'd you, you'd be better off. I don't think that they would just do a trade where they'd be eating the money, especially having a cap guy like Howie. I'm not talking the cap. I'm talking the guaranteed money that you don't see anymore. Yeah, you might be able to get a player back, but as right. As but a, if, if you're trading a thirty million dollar guaranteed contract, right, mm-hmm. and you're trading for a guy, and again, I'm using Levante David, but name another big star. In a position, um, uh, throw out throw out a guy like um, uh, throw out a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is a bad example, mm-hmm. but you or Julio Julio is probably a better one. His contract is so expensive; it would basically offset the money that you'd be taking on that contract and be giving the thirty million that you'd owed Carson to Atlanta to deal with. No, no, but it's the guaranteed money. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie is going to be happy with the guaranteed money. Now, let me come at it from another angle because I don't think I'm doing a good enough job. How many coaches slash GMs survive trade making all kinds of trades to get their guy and then paying that guy and then it blows up? How many GMs and coaches survive wasting that many picks and that much money but they yeah, didn't waste. They, they didn't waste any picks. They got a Super Bowl out of it. I mean, so so to that to that to that point, if I'm an owner or GM, like 
Well, the the process to use the process term, the process worked. You traded up, you got the franchise quarterback you wanted, you got home field advantage. The guy got hurt. Lucky enough, you had a, a few backups and key positions, and you end up winning a Super Bowl. That's a plus. That's a check. You don't want that to happen every year, but you know what? The stars aligned and it worked out. I mean, I don't think if 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 they didn't win a Super Bowl, Jesse, I'm kind of like, okay, well, you didn't win a Super Bowl with this guy. He, you gave him a guaranteed contract, and now what? Now he's regressing, and I'm like, okay, you, I'm with you, but like, it kind it worked. Oh, we're having technical difficulties. Technic, uh oh, two fit. Oh boy! Listen, or, or three. Finally, we, we get Heidi in here, but she she can't hear us because she's on mute. Can we unmute Matt? Is there any, is there any way to unmute him? I know she might bring too much heat to the podcast. <laughs> oh man! No, I, I I I think I I think that kind of says it all. I think that kind of just says it that you know we're just you know it's been a long season. It's been a long twenty twenty. I think it's and the holidays are coming. And it's just. You know, it's. I think I'm trying to. Did you, you guys see the glass? Jesse off? Yeah, he's having technical difficulties right now. See, he, he uh, did he get mad and leave? No, he said, he, he said something about Carson, so he left. <laughs> he's like, you know what? That's take on Carson. I'm out. I'm out right now. So, so yeah, I, know, I think you have to wait to get a little bit of water, and all of a sudden Jesse's gone. I dude, I had, I had. It, it it pops up like you have low si- low signal, and then it just went away. This episode of Forfeit Podcast brought to you by Boost Mobile. <laughs> brought to you by Comcast. Fuck Comcast. Jesse, there might be one of our sponsors, and no, you didn't mean it. We're walking that back a little bit. They do <laughs> they, the best job they can. These they, fucking clowns rewired the entire fucking out house. They're doing, they're doing, doing what it takes, you know? And they guys work hard. I, these Lambo payments don't make himself. Now Comcast, we're sorry. We love you. Even Xfinity. Like Shout out. Shout out to Xfinity. Shout out. What up? Uh, I think this is a perfect time to segue into a little bit brighter news. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So. Your 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 basketball team, ten nine eight seventy sixers this week, made some notable headlines um, by hiring a brand new president of basketball operations and Daryl Morey. Um, solid solid addition. I mean, you know what we talked about. You know the hiring of Doc Rivers being you know the 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 first good step of many necessary steps in you know, repositioning this team to becoming a legit contender coming off of the colossal disappointing uh, season this past year and, uh, you know, with the firing of Brett Brown. But, hey, they go out, they get Doc Rivers. Um, Doc Rivers was uh, available for, like, five minutes on the market, and the the Sixers are able to, 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 to seal that deal. And then what's the next move? They go out and get... Daryl Morey, um, you know, solid, solid uh, front office man, made a lot of great moves in Houston, um, responsible for, you know, always putting putting together um, a superstar roster, 
there, which, you know, made Houston um, a legit contender and, and st- who still is a legit contender in the West for a number of years. Um, and then coming off of that news, we just get word today that the, the Sixers are now reported uh, having serious interest in pursuing um, the Rockets superstar point guard James Harden. Um, what do you think the lineup, to say hypothetically we land Harden tomorrow, um, what does this do for the lineup? Um, and what do the Sixers, uh, what do the Sixers give up? Who, what, what changes overnight? So say, you know, we, we, you know, we, uh, we stop the podcast, we all go to sleep, we wake up, we find out we have a new president and we've also landed one of the top three, if not the, the best offensive weapon, arguably the best offensive weapon in, in the NBA today. Um, in, in James Harden. Um, what do you, what do you think that does for, for the Sixers lineup? And what do you think they have to give up to make that happen? I mean, I think you, you gotta give up, you're giving up one of your superstars and by one of your superstars, I mean, Ben or Joel, um, that if I, if I'm, if I'm Houston, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not giving, getting back just, you know, Al Horford and like a couple draft picks. Um, it's right, awesome think you say that too, John, because what have we said time and time again on the podcast throughout the se- the past uh, season with the Sixers is we all want Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to be super a uh, like superstar. Mm-hmm. We want them to perform at that caliber. We expect them to, and the league and the nation already has kind of crowned them that that level. Oh. Um, but, but, anyone, defense, but anyone in Philadelphia speak. with a basketball IQ would, would argue that there, there, there's still a lot of work to be done before they reach that level. Uh, so by giving up one of these guys that has the potential to be a superstar for a bona fide proven, f- arguably future Hall of Famer, sure. superstar in James Harden, I mean uh, – I I think that uh, all of us here on this podcast would be very interested in in wanting to pull the trigger on one of either either Ben or Joel. I mean, depending on you know other other circumstances within the uh, within the negotiations. But there might even ahead. be a third team that is involved with this too. Yeah, I mean there could. But back to what you were just saying um, uh, about you know Ben and Joel not reaching. They're 24 and 26, respectively. Um, this will be Ben's fourth season of playing and Joel's fifth season of playing. No superstar really became a superstar until their fifth, sixth, seventh season. Kevin, oh boy. Oh, God. <laughs> Listen. John's flashing the goods over here. <laughs> That's good. Well, now I have to go. Friends of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Bill. If you finish your thought. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, uh, you, you know, this has been fourth year coming in 2021 and Joel's fifth. James Harden didn't become James Harden until year five. Kevin Durant didn't become Kevin Durant until like year four to year five. Like th- these guys have won 50 games back to back seasons 
um, last full regular seasons, one playoff series. Yeah, it was just the first round, but they have one in the playoffs. Like, that's not a small feat, getting out of the first round of the playoffs when you're 23 and 25 leading a team. So what I'm saying is, you know, I think, yes, Houston has James Harden. Is, I, want him, I want James Harden. The answer is yes, and I would give up Ben or Joel, take your pick for James. But these guys are still on the very right trajectory. You know, Joel stayed healthy this past year. Inconsistent, yes. But again, um, very young, had, you know, had, had, had a really poorly constructed team. You know, our, our, our roster was not, to, I think, and, and, and you know what, and forget roster, I'm kind of really going to put this on Brett a little bit. He had five years, four to five years to figure out how to get these guys to play well together. And they did at times, but when it really mattered and they needed half-court sets to be done, and they I guess needed, that's like, true shooters. Yeah, because I mean, they I know, needed, I they needed a you know they needed a JJ Redick. They needed, uh, and I know. think Doc's the kind of guy that's going to be vocal about get me a fucking shooter, get me a you know this, get me like he's going to be that kind of guy to you know not mess around. And not only that, um, I think Doc's uh, you know the kind the, I don't know just the kind of guy that is it's going to motivate these guys just to you know because he's been there um, you know to play better. And I, I guess I'm just trying to be positive, but. Like we said, you know, like John just said, he's won, he's won, he's won a chip. So he, he knows what it takes to go to that, to finish, go to the finish line. So having that on our team, our players have to just have to respect that. And if they don't, they're really a dope to get, getting to get them out of here if they don't. And I think, you know, uh, that's something that, oh, yeah, not what I was going to say. Another thing that we did this week under the radar is we signed Sam Cassell, the lead assistant head coach from the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, Sam Cassell is a very bright basketball mind. And what is he? A scoring shooting point guard. Hey, Ben, maybe he's here to work with Ben a little bit, too. So I think there's so many things to be pointing in the right direction. Even if we don't get James Harden, I mean, you know, it's I, I, I know they said that earlier and before we had Daryl Morey and Houston said they would never, ever trade him. But, you know, there's no never, ever's in anything, you know. Nope. There were a luxury cat tax next year that could affect them. So it's but it's just seems the Sixers just have that spark back in this to where, like, uh, I'm seeing now they're shooting potentially for December 22nd return date, which is, like, not that far away, which is awesome. Well, and the play- but the players want January 18th, I believe. Oh, so. I think they're pushing to have it on Martin because they want to have it on Martin Luther King Day because they want three to four more weeks off. They don't want to start before Christmas. Right. So, and I get – and I kind of got a feeling – it's going to come down to money. Like if they play later and Mike, because I know they want to play at least 72 games and usually play 81. But if they do the 22nd of December, they can get 72 games in and they'll pay the full salary season. If they don't do that and they do January, it would be prorated pay. So I think that's going to come into play too with when they start. What? So say going back to the Harden thing real quick, mm-hmm. Say we wake up and we have James Harden. What, which of the two, Ben or Joel, would you want to see gone, and for what reasons? And I, I, I myself, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, just thinking about it now. It's kind of like, say, say you send Joel Embiid to Houston, and we keep Ben Simmons, right? That's what I had went with him, Matt. I, I, I thought we keep Ben over Joel because then it's like. 
we know James Harden is going to want the ball. He's going to want the ball in his hands. He's going to want to get his touches. He's going to get the, get his shots. And what does that do for Ben? That 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 takes the pressure off of him having to, you know, having having everyone want him to to score so much or run be the, the be the facilitator be the no. facilitator. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe play a little big. You know. Um, so he becomes, I, now he becomes a roamer because you don't have Joel clogging the middle up. So now he gets to have kind of first say of the paint, slashing and this and that. He still is your best defender. He's the best. He's a first team all defensive player. Yeah, I mean, he's your best defender until this year. He was a healthy player. He's twenty four. He he's has more tread like, on the tires. Uh, and, you know? and 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 the reality is, for you know, to, to play up tempo basketball, he still can play, get a rebound, and go. Go lead yep. the fast break. Go do you. Yep. You know, that's your game. So it's like, you know, I, and, and I think you're right. I, I went to Ben, too, only because Joel has more value because Joel is a 25-a-game scorer night in, night out most most nights. And he's a guy that Houston can still build around with Russ and their team they got, where I think Ben and Russ together just doesn't work in any capacity. I think that's like a fucking nightmare in the backcourt shooting-wise. I mean, Russ – Really, it's gone downhill with his shooting the last two years. Really downhill. Yeah, he's like borderline. But he's below average shooting. Like he's a liability. Shooting. You know he's, what? He's not scared to shoot, but he don't make. Well, that's the other thing. Could you could you turn him into a a pure point guard and and more of a facilitator? Unless you know, use him off the dribble to the lane. You know, go into the basket and less like a pull up. Like look at a guy like Rondo, right? Rondo's yep. not known for his shooting, but he's a he's a quarterback with the ball. Um, another thing to he think about: better, it, he shot better in this playoffs. That was a huge difference. He did. I heard he did. getting the Clippers. The, the Clippers and, are going to pay him like ten, fifteen for like the 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 um uh oh boy um uh the Lakers aren't going to be able to keep him because he played so well in the playoffs. You're right, John. He played really yeah. well. But the other thing to think about. He, he's he's a, he's an underrated point guard. Yeah. The other thing to think about with the with the Rockets roster, like if you were really going to get deep down into a trade here, you know, a guy like PJ Tucker would be like a guy I'd like to have with Harden. I know that's like two of the oh, Tucker's kind of guy all day long. Like that's I would love him. He reminds me of like um like a Boston big baby or Boston Kendrick Perkins a little bit, but like obviously, you know what I mean. Yep. Like and he's the, he's the kind of guy that I think we've been kind of wanting, but I think he'd have to give up. To to your point, I think if you're really talking about James Harden, who's a bona fide top, what you're going to argue top five, top ten guy, like you're going to have to give up Joel, and like I don't think they give up Al as well. But like I think I it's, it's going to be like a Tobias and somebody and one and of these guys. Joel Thibel and. And and probably maybe Jay Richardson too, something like that. Like because Jay Richardson is an, an attractive guy. Like he's a good bench guy. But he's like, still he's young too. Fan. I mean, yeah, he's he's still young. He has a lot of upside. And he plays can hard. He's got hard. Really well. He plays hard. He he gets big shots. Like he's not afraid of the moment kind of guy. He'll shoot the ball. No, the guy. I agree, John. Like you're gonna get depleted, but thinking thinking about it more as we're talking. I think Doc's going to build like a tough East East Eastern Conference basketball team. One hundred percent guys that like you come in the paint. It's like fuck you, pussy. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be fun basketball because it's it's gonna be like yeah you can come into the lane but you're gonna get you're gonna get bruised up a little bit yeah like I got three centers so I could sub and in I don't think Doc Rivers ever got, wanted like, said, three guys that just come in I got eighteen fouls to use kind nope. of team I don't and, think Doc Rivers ever wanted to leave the East either um, no I mean he left no, he, he got well, traded he got traded well, to, to the Clippers I mean he could have said no obviously but with KG and all those guys leaving he didn't want to do a rebuild. That's why he left. And the Clippers had Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. So, I mean, he, he was sent over to a winner. And, you know, it just didn't work out when I was at the Clippers, unfortunately. Talking about that Netflix uh, show with him, Matt, he, yeah. mentioned, he mentioned how he regretted leaving Boston. Yeah. You know, the team that they had there, the organization, like he regretted leaving it. And, and you know, he had, he had you know, decent teams in, in the Clippers or, yeah. time, but – I but just it never feel like, like it never I just matched. feel like the style of ball. He built the coach games like ninety eight. He wins games like ninety eight to ninety two, one hundred three to ninety eight. Like he don't coach yeah. games to win one forty one to one thirty five. Like he's okay. in there. Like if somebody has three, like hits three threes next time, fucking hammer him on that shot. I don't care if he makes it. Fucking hammer yeah. him. Like he's that kind of guy. Like he's hot. All right. Well, now he's gonna not get hot. Like and that's who you know who I would kill for on this team, Patrick Beverly. Patrick oh, Beverly, he's gonna call one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Beverly would be loved on this team in this city. This city would love him like we no other. A, we don't need Patrick Beverly. We just need a Patrick Beverly like player. Give so me Marcus Smart. We either uh, guys like that will just thrive here. Boston could never let him go. He's he he's like the heart of that team. I mean, I know Tatum's their best player, him <coughs> and Brown's a good, solid role player, and they got Kemba. But Marcus Smart has, you know, he he kind I of. I think he's a locker room guy. I think. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a Draymond Green. He's a yeah. Draymond Green in that team. It's and he's not the best player by far at all, but he kind of gets those, that emotions flowing. That that raw guy that also, take charge. You also can't compare him like Draymond Green. You can't compare him to Ben Wallace. That would be just <laughs> blasphemy. <laughs> I, but I think it's all—I think it's all a moot point, though, because I think everybody's—I think LeBron knows it's coming next year, and it's happening. The Warriors are coming back with a vengeance next year. If he, it's free money. Uh, I can't say they're going to be the favorite to win, but with if, if they keep Wiggins, Clay comes back fine. Steph, they're going to get a top five pick. They got they got some pieces. This team's gonna come locked and loaded next year. Maybe that's what James Harden knows, and he wants I'm to get out of the West. You got them, LeBron, and you got Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers. You got the Nuggets who are tough out. You got the Jets, Donovan Mitchell, they're a tough out. Who the fuck? And, you the, and, and now you got uh, now you got um, fuck. What's his name in uh, Dallas? Uh, Luca. He oh, yeah. you want, like you want to fuck with that, or do you want to fuck with the Pacers and the Magic? And you know that kind. Of, I mean, seriously, like. I mean, you got Jimmy Butler, the Celtics, and the Bucks. If and, and if Giannis goes, the Bucks are fucked. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Brooklyn. I, I mean, everyone's crowning them, but I'm telling you, there's one ball, and KD and Kyrie are really good. But man, now that we got Doc, if we got James Harden, oof, I would love. I would love that matchup. Love that fucking matchup, Kyrie. Yeah, I, I think I would keep I think- man on KD. Oh, I love it. Love who, it. Who, who on KD? Ben. Ben guards KD. Yeah, I, I, think. I, I think I would I would part with Ben to be honest with you. 
I don't think I, I don't think Ben has he, the value that Joel has. Well, I, I think, think I think I think we're we're forgetting the fact that Doc has history with Tobias. He does, but um, he also traded Tobias to the Sixers for Landry. <laughs> right. So I think I think Tobias or Al have to go one of them. Like we're gonna have to eat it on a deal. I think there's no way yeah. those two could be on our team next year. I think it just fucks his team roster wise. They're not a fit. Like, and then he's got to build a bench too. So Doc's not here to fuck around. I think like like he's coming here ready to go. Like, like this is it. Like I, like not like well, let's see what we got. It's no like he's a coach twenty years in the league. He knows what he's got. And if you bring a guy like that and you pay him the money, you pay Daryl Morey. You let those. Ellen Brand is like so like. The guy at the meeting you go to, like he's the boss, but doesn't say anything. He's like, "All right, well, good meeting, guys." And like he just sat there the whole time while like everybody's talking and make. Well, I guess Daryl Morey is his boss now since he's the president of operations. I would guess. Yeah. yeah. Now here's a here's a question: Do you think Doc and and all these guys that they brought in are are they gonna? So they're gonna look at this roster top to bottom. Joel Joel's big thing is he can't stay healthy, but when Joel's in a game. And he's healthy. He's a force. And then you have Ben, who got his last coach fired because his coach asked him real simple things. Shoot the ball, man. And he, he was just like, nah, I'm not about that. I'm not going to do that, as a matter of fact. Is this next regime going to be okay with a guy like Ben being like, I'm an all-star anyway. It doesn't matter. Probably not because Daryl Morey is Sam Henke's mentor. I mean, Daryl Morey created Sam Henke. He's the evil genius. So Daryl Morey is not going to put up with guys who, if he doesn't feel you're efficient in his models, you're gone. I think that, um, to Jesse, to answer your question, I feel like they will take the ball out of Ben's hands. And I think that that's not going to prevent him from – it's going to make him not shoot. If he's not bringing the ball up, it, take the ball out of his hands. Give it to somebody else. Not not that it's going to be Harden, but some somebody, uh, Chris Paul, something, and then and then just lean on other guys and just take the ball out of his hands. Because I don't think they're going to make him do something he doesn't want to do. I mean, is not that I say that, that's right, right? I, at, I don't, at, you know. at that point, you're aren't you? Isn't it like the whole thing with like Carson? You were paying you to be a superstar, be a superstar. Aren't you paying Ben to be like a top three, top four player in the league? I I feel like I mean, granted, I'm not a basketball savant, but like you see other guys like the LeBrons of the world and the KDs of the world, like don't have like a gigantic hole in their game that mm-hmm. you can drive a bus through, like Ben does. Yeah, it's 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 odd to see someone getting paid that much money to to not do one of the the main things a basketball player should do, and that's shooting. Um, go ahead, Bill. I was going to say, I, I agree with that to an extent. Um, his contract actually isn't that bad. He's not, he, he's not like a top 20, 30 paid player. He makes in the 25 million range, which is a lot of money, but he's not, near, he's not, he's not nearly a max player. I mean, maxes are between 35 and 40, basically. So he's not, I mean, he's not a bargain, but what he's at, but with what I will say, it's not defending him, but kind of defending him. He averaged 16-10-10 a game. So the guy still scores that solid clip. 
and doesn't take. I guess, and also he's gotten better with less turnover. So it's like he got the triple double a game. He's not thirty and twelve, ten and ten, but sixteen, ten and ten. If he hits his foul shots, I mean, I can live with that. Yeah, as the number two player on the team or number three, he can't be our best player though. Obviously, like, and that's the thing. It's so it's you know, but I do agree. I think they don't have to be threes, but I think he has to incorporate those like little drives, stop, pull up from like eight feet, six feet, ten feet, because he takes too many charges. He goes, he gets too many offensive fouls because he can't stop and he can't sometimes get to the rim, so he just like runs into guys. It's like, dude, what are you fucking doing? Just pull up and shoot. So uh, yeah, I do agree. You're right, Jesse. I mean, that is obviously a gaping hole, but it's like. I don't know. I guess I'm just numb to it, and I'm trying to be uh, a sympathizer, a, a sympathizer for it because he's so I, like does things that are just so fun to watch on the court. Sometimes I he's find not it, a player. It's just he's, he's not. He doesn't play like he, as elite as he should. Sometimes but I but. just wonder if like you bring in a James Harden, what that does to a guy's like skill set, like Ben's. Um, I mean, I think yeah, I think it's anything else. You, if you're a great player, you feed off of that. And like John said, it takes the pressure off you, Ben, because you know in the half court set, now you can just do what you want to do: run baseline the baseline. That's it. up, crash the board for a dunk, a dunk. Well, I, I think like, you take the ball out of his hands, though. He's going to get butt hurt. I mean, that's the other thing too. But he can also, I guess, accept the fact that you know now he can. I don't, you're right, John, I guess, because I think that's what happened with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. I think when Butler would get the ball in the fourth quarter, that bothered Ben. And that's kind of, and that's why Butler was gone, because for whatever reason, Josh Harris decided I'm going to go team Brett Brown and team team Ben over Jimmy. And, and look what they, you know, and obviously I think you saw that. Yeah, was Yeah, well, you would hope that, you would hope that Ben Simmons, you know, a little light bulb would go off from his head when Ben's, you know, at home watching Jimmy Butler, you know, compete for it. A title. Oh, he's not watching. Uh, what, what gamer team is he on, Jesse? Uh, F. Was Phase Clan? Oh, he's on Phase Clan. Yeah. Yeah, he's on Phase Clan. So he 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 didn't have time to watch the basketball. What's a Phase Clan? He's training it's for so, the clan, yo. They're one of the big um, esports teams. I think I don't know. He's uh, he's too busy collecting more cars too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah more I, and. Well, more, don't talk more, to Derek. More, more man, more man purses and stuff. We're gonna be, we're gonna have that same issue in a few years too. So don't, don't <laughs> throw shade. I'm gonna be addicted to buying. Yeah, well, we're gonna co- we're gonna show up to work and do our job. It's a little bit different. But we will. But I'm gonna uh, have a different Ferrari or Lambo every day. So I mean, that's gonna be my my vice. And so I mean, I I mean, I listen, ben. listen. I'm I'm just as frustrated with with Ben Simmons's you know deficiencies or whatever or what what we're expecting of him and. And what we're actually getting out of him, I, I get it. But I use the the Andre Iguodala analogy a little bit. And I don't know if it's a great analogy, but if you remember back when Iguodala was asked to be the man here, uh, he was he was put in a position to perform a certain way that that was not to his strengths. Right? Andre Iguodala is a perfect complement to a, an already superstar on you know he he's the robin he's not the batman and you saw that one when he got traded to the warriors and there's a reason why he was the finals mvp 
because they put him in the perfect role. They found the perfect he was he was put in a system and he was asked to do exactly what you know he was what coached. played to his strengths. He was coached and, and he was coached and he was he was developed and he was he was he was brought into a system that played to his strengths and and look what happened. The guy the guy thrived. And he's still um, playing. And he's still playing. He just and he just he was just playing for another chip. Um, so it's I, I I just can't help but wonder if Ben Simmons is just a case of him just being put in that in the right role with the with the right system under the right coaching staff that will you know again it's hard to believe right because you know it's he's he's already he's already you know. Um, shoot away one head coach, like you know. But this is Doc Rivers, man. Doc Rivers has a it's a, it's a whole other level of coaching. I I, I think he he you is know? not. They didn't bring him in here to pussyfoot around. With, with no disrespect to Brett Brown, you know, I think Brett Brown's a great guy, but he's not a Doc Rivers. And hmm. it, it, you're you're exactly right, John. Like the, the, this team's not put. I you're right. There's teams not playing around, um, and I'm excited to see these moves being made because, you know, what have I been saying time and time again with these with with all Philly sports? It's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there rooting, but you gotta you gotta show us something, man. And so far, the front office of the Sixers have been showing us a lot of good things. Um, you know, and a, and, and a lot of yeah, a lot of pieces to the Harris, puzzle being, being Josh, filled. Josh Harris writing checks, man. Josh Harris writing checks because front office page doesn't go against their cap. So him paying Daryl Morey ten million a year and Doc Rivers, whatever. I mean, he's writing checks. And what to yep. back to your Brett, Brett Brown thing, I wanted to say real quick, just real quick. I think the I thought about this before. This is just an opinion, but probably is fact. Um, <laughs> Brett. <laughs> I think Brett's biggest issue with the team when it comes down to it at this point, when you have a coach who basically has to be okay with losing with the tanking situation, I mean, I know he coached the players he had to win every game. I get it. And was given D-League players basically to compete in the NBA. So he was a losing battle. But to have a coach that was basically okay with that, and I get, I did get it. It was to get his foot in the door as a head coach. You got to do what you got to do. But it just wasn't going to work long term to have a guy that was okay losing for three, four, five years and then say, okay, now it's a win mentality. It's like, man, he's been a fucking loser for five years and had to be okay with, you know what I mean? Like that personality doesn't have that killer like Doc, you know, when you lose three games in a row, him walking in and flipping a fucking chairs. Yeah, I'm sure Brett did that sometimes for whatever because he was mad. But I think it's just like we said numerous times, each of you guys. When Doc does it, it's just going to hold more weight. Like, because it's going to be selective. He's going to know when to, when to push Joel, maybe, or whoever's here. When to not. Maybe when to call out Ben. Maybe when to not. You know, it, it, and that's what we're paying for is a guy that manages personalities really well. Bill, it also it also puts a lot more pressure on the players, too, because they're used to a coach like Brett Brown who, from not from what I understand, but from what I believe – and that again, that might be false, but you know, he kind of was a friend first and a coach second. Yeah, I think, that, Doc, I, I think he always tried to be like. I think he ended everything with like, 
keep your head up, buddy. You're doing a good job. Yeah. And sometimes you got to be like, you're getting paid a fucking lot of money. Get your shit together and walk out the door. Not to say maybe an hour later, you don't text them like, hey, see you tomorrow. But I feel like you're right, John, that Brett had the I'm your father, your big brother, yeah. as well as your coach. And it's a lot more like, pressure. Doc will be, Doc has a like, mentality, you're a grown-ass man, paid a lot of money. You know, if you can't do it, I'm going to get somebody that fucking will. And I think a reality with somebody like Doc to Ben and Joel, who think, oh, well, maybe I'll just leave you, Philly. You don't ever want to get traded or just let walk out in the end. I mean, walking a little differently, it just doesn't really work out unless select few guys have had success. So when a team has signed you to a second deal and then you leave, usually you decline quickly. So I think you're right, John. It's like, you know, Daryl and Doc aren't fucking around. Like, they're here to do one thing, win. And if you guys think, oh, well, I'm the pro- trust the process, I'm Joel, or I'm Ben, I'm number one pick, that don't mean shit to these guys. Mm-mm. You're a player on their team to win. And if you don't think you're and, – and, and if they don't feel – you're playing the game style of game they want or progressing or you're gone. Like you're a commodity. And I, and I think that hopefully that's a wake up call for these guys that like, if you want to be coddled, they'll coddle you, but you better fucking win. Like, like that's well, awesome. It just reminds me of, you know, what, you know, what doc talked about in that Netflix special when he, when they first acquired the, their big three, the, you know, Garnett, um, Ray Allen, Ray, Ray Allen, and and uh, and they already had Pierce, but Doc. First thing he did, he called those three guys in the room and said, "Hey, man, I understand you guys are going to want to get your your touches. You're going to want to get your shots up, but he goes, you guys are going to have to understand right here, right now. You know, we're going to have to all make sacrifice, and you're you're either going to be on board with it, or you're going to struggle." Um, but the only, the one way we're gonna that this the whole thing's gonna work is that we're all gonna have to we're all gonna have to sacrifice in order to make this thing work, and you know and the other thing he's he he always said to his players all the time was look there's gonna be some decisions that are gonna have to be made that that aren't gonna be in the be, in the best interest of of me as the coach and or they're not gonna be in the best interest of you as the player, but they're gonna be always for the best interest of the team. And, and it's just finding, it's finding the right guys that buy into that mindset that is going to, is, 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 it's going to turn this thing in the, you know, in the right direction. It's going to put everything in the right direction. Can Um, can I I blow your mind for a second? Yeah. What if, what if you, you figure out a way and GM of the year, Daryl Morley, or, or, or president of the uh, president of operations of the year could figure out a way to not get rid of Ben and Joel and have James Harden Ben and Joel. John, I would literally. Oh God, I'm my, I, I'm I'm blown. So, I just I'm so blown. what I'm thinking is like so w- what you know GM Jesse Lorenz would be like. All right, I'll give you my first set. My first he'd, he'd pull Kevin Costner Jesse if he was the GM here, right? Here, take my take my first my first for the next four years. Give me James Harden. What do I need? What do I need guys for? Throw in Thibault if you have to, or something. Thibault, Kobe, or whatever if you have to. Because the NBA, I think the money work. Don't you have to make the money work in the NBA? You might need to meet a third team to be involved. 
I mean, yeah, but I think you're right, John. I mean, I don't know if that was you that said if the thing he did 77 trades in his time is 77 you know, trades. Yeah, like yep. he 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 taught Sam Hankey. Like he is Sam Hankey's mentor. Like Daryl Morey is here, like to to to, to fuck shit up. <laughs> like I mean, look, he he managed to get James Worthy or James Worthy, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. On the same team, and Chris Paul, you got Chris Paul. You know, it's you know. So I, I, I think you're right in the sense that I, I, I think he's not gonna give players. I mean, he'll give players whatever time to, whatever to show. But if he feels that you're beating head against the wall, it's like just get rid of him. Like you got to get guys that fit your fit your piece. But I think you know Doc has to get these guys practicing and see what he sees and kind of go to the lab because you know. And the fact is, Joel and Ben are 24 and 26, and they've taken their lumps. I'd hate to give one of them away now who, when they're ready to blossom because they've taken their lumps. You know what I mean? Like, sure. these guys, like I said, they won 50 games back-to-back seasons. That's not a small feat in the NBA. Like, no, it's not. And like guys like blow Chris Paul about that. Oh, he ran 54 games last year. Well, the Sixers did that, and they get shit on, and they won the first round in playoffs both years, So I mean, up until this year. So it's like – it isn't like they haven't shown that they can win. It's just they haven't been able to, you know, they're young guys and their deficiencies shown playoffs because the whistles get silent and they let them play more. Yeah. And that's when it's tough when you're younger guys because the, the Jimmy Butlers and, you know, and, and Tatum showed it that he's a man, just body the shit out of you. And I think that's a different series if Ben Simmons is playing because Jason, Tatum, Jason Tatum's numbers against Ben are fucking putrid when Ben guards him. Putrid. And, you know, but like John always says, your best ability is your availability. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. You know, if he played that series, may, you know, maybe he, maybe we win that series, lose in second round, and Brett's, or maybe we make it to the conference finals, and Brett's still here, you know, and we're fucking miserable, you know, talking shit like Brett's, you know, you know, so everything happens for a reason. We got embarrassed by the Celtics. Hopefully, Joel never loses that taste out of his mouth that you got swept. You know, that's on your resume now. And if you got any fucking pride, don't, don't ever let it happen again. Doc, Doc won't let that happen. Get, Doc won't get swept in the playoffs ever. I, I mean, I, I, I should say that. You know, maybe he has, but I shouldn't say that. I mean, he's been a long well, time. I mean, I mean he, damn near, <laughs> he damn near did get sw- swept on the backside of the last series by, by Denver. Yeah, I mean, they were up 3-1, yeah. to one and they won the last three. Yeah, I mean, that's almost as bad as being swept, so. It is. No, I mean, it is. But it's not being swept. <laughs> but, you know, you're hearing a lot more come out now about how the team really wasn't united a lot because they, they all think Paul George is a punk ass, and they all didn't like how Doc had to favor Kawhi because Kawhi has his people and a lot of guys like Lou Williams, Matif Morris, uh, Montrez Harrell, those guys, like the core guys, didn't they didn't dig it, like – and the good thing with Doc coming here is it's kind of the egos. Yeah, they're probably big to an extent, but they're not that big. They're not Kawhi level big. Yeah, they, they just can't be. I mean, they're, they're not that level. So I think Doc has that advantage to not have you know that bullshit yet. Yep. Hopefully never. But I know that's a, you know chemistry is a big deal, man. And he, clearly the Clippers just didn't have the answer. But woo-wee. go. The future's bright on. On uh, on in Camden and on Broad Street, right? It is. Um, I think it is on Federal Ave. Not so, Federal. 
So before we wrap this episode up, I, I want to ask Jesse, it, it, are you ready to make a triumphant return tonight? <laughs> I see the little brown book. I don't know. Do, but I don't see anything. I only got a little picture in the corner. Do we make the I see a I see a bronze label and I see a, a write up in the brown book. Mm-hmm. Is this the night? Is this the night? Is this the triumphant return of Cigar Corn? I think it should be. All right. Well, are we gonna? Do we have to? I mean, you've had a lot. I will probably be able to put some music in post. Not Mm -hmm. right now. Um. So we've got the. Um. I don't know if I reviewed it before, but it's been God. It's been so long. The. uh, Jesus, you got a retread. Great. Great. I don't Great. know. Months of months of anticipation, and you're giving us a retread. I I don't think it's a retread. Okay. Um. It's the Rocky Patel, aged, uh, limited rare. They rebranded it this year, and changed the packaging to um has like a rose gold, copper um huge, copper I band. Saw it. That's what I saw there when you flip the book around. Yeah, it's it's a wild band. It's beautiful. It's the the two thirds of the cigar is wrapped in like a a thick white uncoated paper. It's a it's it a looks beautiful. Looks like the old WWF championship belt. The 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 packaging on it on the new age limited rare stuff is is absolutely beautiful. Um, with that being said, it's a again it's it's a six. I I enjoyed a six and a half inch. With a 52 ring, uh, the first third was real. Had put a lot of smoke out, um, a little earthy, with um, a little bit of pepper on the on the finish. the The second third, the earth came forward a little bit more, and it smoothed out, and you started to pick up some um, cedar and wood notes on the retrohale. And on the final third of the cigar. Wait, time it, out. What yeah. the fuck's a retrohale? What what is what? that? What's a retrohale? It's when, not an inhale, not an exhale. When you when you draw the smoke in, you hold it in your mouth, ah, and then you open up your sinus passages and you draw the smoke into your sinus passages and blow it out your nose. Ugh. It's terrible. So, oh, that sounds like a terrible idea. Oh. Well, that's how you pick up. There's two ways to pick up a lot of the flavors in, and scents in a cigar. And it's a retrohale. Or there's another way where you basically hold the smoke in your, che- in your mouth and you basically blow your cheeks up. And you hold it in there for a couple seconds. And then you move your tongue to the top of your mouth and you blow the smoke out like you you pierce your lips and you blow the smoke out and then you um take your tongue and run rub your tongue on the roof of your mouth and then you take a deep breath and draw that air in over your tongue and then draw your tongue on the roof of your mouth again and you can pick up a lot of flavors from the cigar doing that as well sounds like a lot of work i, I so, need this i need this segment under like really I need like porn a- music yeah <laughs> Yeah, like rubbing your tongue in your mouth. Like I really need porn music, <laughs> <Yep>. Matt. <laughs> um, and then the final third is all earth and cedar. 
Did we lose him? Hey. <laughs> oh. Well, we lost you on the tail end. It was oh. all the final third is all earth and cedar, and then what? Uh, and it, it's real smooth, and just unfortunately, I haven't been able to um, get my hands on any more of them. Okay. Well, so, I mean, it doesn't it's get a, the. It's a, it's a it's, rare cigar. Like, it's not super expensive, but, but does it gets just. The, but does it get the Jesse Lorenz cigar corner seal of approval of? It's a really good smoke. Oh, it was an abs. It was a fantastic smoke. Okay. I'd buy. Oh, I'd buy we need like a scale, Jesse. Like, yeah, we a real good it, smoke. Yeah. Like a fantastic smoke. Yeah, and like I'll, I'll work, smoke. I I will work on a. I will work on a scale. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's one of those cigars that if a box didn't cost a small fortune, I'd buy a box of them. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a it was a really good cigar. What was the name? I think of I have for our viewers. What's that, John? What was the name of that cigar again for our viewers? The Rocky Patel Aged Limited Rare. Well, there you have it. The triumphant return of Cigar Corner. Triumphant return of Cigar Corner. And I've, I've smoked a lot of cigars this summer, so I will, I, we will be able to... You're backlogged. Them. You're backlogged. We've got a hell of a backlog. Awesome. So, yeah, and, and I even have a uh, membership in a... Um, Two different cigar clubs that send me packages of cigars and so sweet. Yes. So if anybody needs or wants to pick up cigars or doesn't need to think about it, has a humidor, the the one I'd recommend is Pravada Cigar Club. Uh, they're an online outfit based out of Florida, and they're it's a private club and their membership is closed right now, but they are reopening for one day on uh, black Friday. So if you, you want an easy way to get uh, some, some good smokes every month, you, you can't beat what they send. It's like 25, 30 bucks and you get a, a little sealed package in a box and it's got a little bob of a pack in it. I mean, it's the, and the, the, the smokes that I've gotten from them have been in great condition, perfectly uh, the perfect humidity. So they're not like rock hard, Right. Just and and the stuff that I've gotten has been real high quality, so I I can't recommend uh, Pravada enough. If somebody looks to pick up a, uh, a cigar membership somewhere, perfect, perfect. Can I can I ask a question on a sidebar about smoking? I noticed that uh, New Jersey might possibly legalize marijuana. What is what does that do for uh, for New Jersey? It makes uh, it gets it makes get everyone us. more more mellow and. <laughs> It probably makes our property taxes go down. So, so with it being on the ballot, not to get political on, on our last two seconds, but how quickly would that be a uh, into market ready to rock and roll? I would assume the next, probably the start of the next, um, probably January one. Okay, because that's I think that's when the the you know it's the turn it's the the changeover of the calendar. I think it's um, we, might, we might have to start marijuana corner. <laughs> I mean. The timing was put specifically in place for people to get set up to make this happen. Because yeah. this is going to be like this is going to be like a tobacco industry. Like it's it's going to be changing money. Like it's going to be so magnetized once it goes national. But yeah, now Jesse's or everything they said, Jesse's Korea. Yeah, it's going to be earth shattering, changing. Well, it's just a lot of money coming in. It's it's 
you know, if you can buy cigarettes that kill you and you can buy booze that kill you, you know, this is not reported to kill you, but yet, you know, you know, so it's one of those things where if you can sell and make money, well, stupid not to. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Absolutely. guys, guys don't go smoke weed and then, then go rob, you know, go rob banks. They go, go to Seven Eleven, get some churros. Get some Funyuns. Get a Slurpee and some, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, I think that's the reality, you know, and, you know, so I think it's uh, it's a good thing. I mean, cause I saw last year Governor Murphy sent a, a team of like 10 or 12, in, you know, state workers to go to Colorado and do an audit to see how, how you know, was it truly profitable and this and that. And they came back like they were making like $65 million a quarter. And that was like early stages in like Colorado, which has like, a quarter of our population. So like they came back like salivating, like, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and go move this forward and, uh, make some money. So yeah, now this is like huge. And not just that you've got, you have a major metropolitan area in New York and then you have a major one in Philadelphia and then you have a major, well, I agree, man. It's one of those things. It's going to be, like I said, it's like, you know, in 10, 10, 15 years, we're going to ask about how, remember when weed was illegal, like 10 years ago, and like, it was fucking, you know, it was like taboo to even like talk about it. Forfeit is Like, you know, we'll be, you know, you know, back in the day, that was like, back in the day, like weed was like, you know, put in there with like heroin and you know, it's a gateway drug. And then you'll be on, you know, before you know it, you're on the corner giving hand jobs, you know, for yeah. a pickle bag of weed. Smoking so meth. You know. Maybe I were checking it out in front of Wawa asking somebody to buy you a saw pretzel because you're out of money. But, you know, what, what you're willing to do for a saw pretzel, that's on you. Yeah, so. that's right. <laughs> anywho, I digress. And, anywho, um, well, you know, I think that's a good way to kind of bring episode, what is this, 58? Um, damn, we're almost up to 60. It's good, good times, good times. Um, well, everyone enjoy the bye week. Everyone, you know, kick back, smoke a cigar, drink a beer, and uh, hopefully we come out of the bye week um, refreshed, re-energized. Hopefully we have James Harden by the end of the bye week. <laughs> Wishful thinking. Um, and to your point, John, maybe, maybe James Harden, maybe James Harden with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. That would be that would be even better. That's not fair. Blew my mind. I'm just like blown right now. It's a big, it's a big three. Yeah, man. So uh, everyone, stay, stay happy, stay healthy. Jesse, give me one. Come on.